For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, To Be Spiritually Minded. Mr. Andrews. we go. I think I'm on now. Sometimes when I'm called upon quickly in the morning, I was not scheduled today, I have a couple of chapters I love. Lawrence knows. 1 Corinthians 15, we're just, we love that one. But the other one I, I love is Romans the 8th chapter. Paul's work and writings are tremendous. They give us so much hope and so much strength. And I think one of the things that studying Romans, the 8th chapter, also helps us to understand our own spiritual position and where God is leading us and how he wants us to live, how he wants us to worship him and be guided by his spirit. I'm not going to go through everything in it because I don't have that much time. Because it's a very deep book. Romans, the eighth chapter, has a lot of material in it. But also, one of the things that, that I like to do, and we see that a lot here, is it helps me to think about other things along with the scriptures that come out. In Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 6, which is the title of my message today, it, it reads, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So Paul really lays the groundwork here and helps us to understand that the word carnally means fleshly. And so when we're doing Bible studies, we're having to, we're having to find out what it means to be fleshly minded. Because it says... To be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. Well, I don't want to die. You don't want to die either. I don't really want to flesh, fleshly mind. I don't want to be carnally minded. And I want to know how to be spiritually minded because spiritually minded is life and peace. And we find out that spiritually minded is also eternal life and great peace in the kingdom of God. So, when I was thinking about this first verse here, I had to think about what Jesus said in John, the third chapter, to Nicodemus as he was telling Nicodemus that he should know these things. And for those of us that read that, we think, yeah, there must be some things in, in the Bible that we also need to understand a little deeper. And I'm not going to read all of it. I, I want to break off here in, in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Boy, these are... What he was telling Nicodemus was extremely spiritual. Very difficult, I think, for Nicodemus to quite understand. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit. And then, of course, then he tells 
marvel not that I send unto you, you must be born again. I don't want to go through all of that. But what I wanted to focus on is that Jesus says, flesh is flesh. And that's what we are right now. We're flesh and blood. And we walk this earth as fleshly human beings. And he says, spirit is spirit. Well, another scenario came up a little later. And a woman at the well in chapter 4. And what I, I was thinking when I was sitting there listening to the music and, uh, and singing and Art's message, how important those that may come up upon this message today, an Art's message, and they might listen to it on the internet and come, up, come and hear it. It is important that you come to the water that Jesus offers because it's so important, especially in the time that we live in today. He says, she was, he was asking for water. And he says in verse, I'm going to go back to verse 13 and just to develop this a little more because I was thinking about it a little, little bit more. In verse 13, Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come and draw it. And, and then he reveals to her her life. And she is amazed. And she's been sinning. Truly, she's been sinning. She's had five husbands, and the one she's living with at the present time was not even her husband. And it's interesting that he reveals the spiritual truth to this woman. And it gets written down for us because it's so profound. He says in verse 21, um, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in the mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. So to worship the Father, you have to have the Spirit and the truth. And we're going to explain that a little bit more through Romans, the 8th chapter. And He reveals that God is a Spirit. God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so we see that. And we see the importance of the, of the revelation of the fleshly carnal mind versus the revelation of the spirit. And to be spiritually minded. So let's go back to Romans the 8th chapter again. And let's pick it up in the next verse. He says in verse 7, because the carnal mind and the fleshly, he has also, the fleshly mind is enmity. It's an enemy or hostile against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, 
neither indeed can be. And I think all of us that have studied the Word of God realize how, how true those words are, especially in the society that we live in today. Those of you who heard about the new law in New York realize how abominable that is. Can a woman carry a child for nine months and, and not love that child but want to destroy it before it's ever born? I, I don't know. When is God's judgment going to come on this, on this planet because of what we're doing? We're getting so close to the, to the age of the sacrifice to Moloch that it's not even... It, 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 your mind can't even grasp it anymore. In Romans, the first chapter, Paul really lays it out for all of us to understand. The fleshly, carnal mind and how it hates God. He says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it to them. I mean, it's, it screams a creator on this earth. Literally. Everywhere. And yet they're denying it in every science magazine Everywhere. And there's just a very few that, that really understands and publishes the creator and the creation and the power of God and how he has created all of this. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In the fact that we exist, you and I, and all of humanity exist, is proof that there is a God. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And boy, do they ever make a fool of themselves when they write about evolution. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like the corruptible man, and the birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God gave them up to, uh, up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, worshiped and served the cre <coughs> creation or, <coughs> more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. Likewise men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It is becoming more and more, and we'll read these verses here, uh, the carnal nature in verse 29, but it's becoming more and more evident. Uh, it's almost hard to listen to the news or watch anything on TV anymore because they want to put everything into this context of we don't like God, we don't like Christians, we don't like anything that has to do with God, we want to throw God out, and we don't want to have, we don't want to be trapped by the Bible. Yeah. It's, it's no longer something that we want to guide and lead us. So God says, okay, you won't retain God in your knowledge? So God's giving them up to a reprobate mind, and it's becoming more and more reprobate. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and that's uh, uh, and whisp uh, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, spiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, impact implacable, unmerciful, we knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It's becoming more and more that way, brethren. In Galatians, actually I would like, <clears throat> I was thinking about this, and I didn't give this to Brian, but it's in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, Brian, if you can get there. There are six woes in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, I think are very, very much a part of what we're talking about today. The six woes in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. The first one is in, in verse 8. He says, Woe to them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. And I think we see that in, in more and more in society, especially in the communist countries where they build high-rise buildings and put people in there and they don't just, you don't even have anything but a small cubicle to live in. Woe number two is in verse 11. Woe to them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night that wine may inflame them. We are plagued in this society today not with not just with alcoholism but the plague of drugs both drugs from um, doctors for pain and, and plague from illegal drugs that are coming over into our society we are being plagued and people are dying from overdoses alcohol and drugs together and just living that way and they get by with it for a while, and then all of a sudden they take an overdose and they're dead. And some of the drugs out there are so deadly 
that no one should even touch them, no less want to take them. Verse 3, woe unto them to draw iniquity with codes, cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a car, uh, car rope. In other words, they're dragging their own sins with them everywhere they go. And they like it, and they want it. Woe number four. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Boy, I'll tell you what, that one verse is pretty much tells everything about the society that we live in today. It is so appropriate for what's going on in our society. Woe to them, in verse uh, five, number, the fifth woe, woe to them um, that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Without the wisdom of God, and you're just wise in your own eyes, you're, you're bound to fail. Woe to them are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. It's interesting that there's two woes about being a, a, a drunkard. Or because it leads sometimes to death. It does, really. It leads to death. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, we see essentially the same type of things talked about. The kind of, of sins that we see in the world today. In Galatians 5 and verse 19, we see the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. Because we're talking about spiritual things and fleshly things. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. You could put news stories at every one of these. <laughs> Lots of news stories at every one of these. Idolatry. Witchcraft. We have now the church of Satan. Uh, legally recognized the church of Satan. And I, I don't know what all they do there. I'm not, I'm not very interested in it. But we do have the church of Satan now. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. I mean, murders seem to be getting more and more prevalent in our society. Can't hardly open the news without somebody, even in Tulsa, getting murdered. Drunkenness, revelings. And such of the like, of which I tell you before, I have also told you in the time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's in the Bible, brethren. Those that do those things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So let's go back to Romans, the 8th chapter. I hope you've got that set. Romans 8, verse 8 and verse 9. So then that... So so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Pretty straightforward. I, I love Paul's writings because he is so succinct in what he says. They that are in the flesh are controlled by the flesh. They that are controlled by the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You're not controlled in the flesh. 
but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's interesting. How do we get the Spirit? How do we get that Spirit? I think everybody understands that Acts 2.38 knows the process. Come. How to come to God. How, how to repent. Let's look at that real quickly. Peter gave a profoundly powerful message. And at the end, they were asking him, what can we do? How can we become what you were just talking about? And he says in verse 38, he says, repent. In other words, change your life. Get out of this. Don't be a fleshly-minded person. Don't allow the flesh to direct and guide you. And then be baptized. That's a process that God wants us to do. He wants us to be buried. He wants us to bury the old man. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That is so important. Jesus is our Savior. We need to recognize Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the one that's going to bring us into the kingdom of God. And it's for the remission of sins. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he says, positively, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some in the past have said, oh, I just don't know if I really have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have gone and you have repented and you have been baptized and you accept and the, the name of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you've had hands laid on you, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you are not to doubt. You are to be strengthened by that. You are to be encouraged by that. Let's go to... So how does it work in us? 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. I think everybody knows this one too. But it's important that we kind of review a few of these things. Beginning in verse 9, 1 Corinthians, um, the second chapter, verse 9. It says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I, I love that writing. I love what, that, what Paul says here. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. When we receive eternal life, how in the world could we as human fleshly beings walking on this earth, even with the Spirit of God, understand all of the things that God is holding out for us in the kingdom of God? We can't. He says, but God is revealed to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So we, we do receive some things. And the Bible is really reveals a lot of things to us, but not everything. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. So, every person has the spirit of man. And so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. So when we receive at baptism the spirit of God, things will be, are, are going to be revealed to us. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us, of God. Which things we also speak not in the words which men's wisdom teaches, 
but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now you do that. You open your Bible and you look at the spiritual things that are revealed in the Bible. And you weigh them against the fleshly things in the world. And you become very educated very quickly about what is fleshly and what is spiritual because the Bible tells you. And with God's Holy Spirit directing us and guiding us, we, we shy away from certain things, don't we? We, we don't want to be involved with certain things. I've had to give up television. Even some of my, my favorite shows are now becoming more pushing lesbianism and gay things onto to shows that, that I would never have thought would do that, but they are. And so I just, I just give them up. I, I don't want to see them anymore. He says, <clears throat> he says, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is a spiritual judges all things, yea, himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And boy, that is so very important. Use the mind of Christ in the society that you live in today, brethren. It is so very important. So, let's go back to, to, to Romans. Or a few pages back. Romans, the 8th chapter. And we look a few more verses here. Beginning in verse 10. He says, And if Christ be in you, Now see, I did read 9. So if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So how important the spirit of God is that dwells in us. Quickens means to make alive. So that if we die with the spirit that we have, we will be made alive in the kingdom of God. We will be resurrected. That is our contact with God. You'll be made alive. To make alive. Quicken makes to make alive. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The word mortify means put to death. Kill it. <laughs> kill, that old, kill that old thing. Kill that man. Well, Paul also emphasizes that in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We understand that here in Ephesians 4, verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man. The, that word conversation, conversation in the King James actually means the manner of life or your conduct. The old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Sometimes it's hard to get rid of all of the old man. And we know that. And he says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We were talking about the heart and the mind and the different ways in which God works with us and teaches us and guides us and leads us. And you put on the new man, which is the, the point of baptism, isn't it? You, you, the old man dies. You, you're, you, you go under the water and the old man dies. 
And when you come back up, the new man is supposed to take over and, and you walk in newness of life as a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then, of course, he goes on to say, putting away the lying, speak every man truth, and all of the things that we used to do and used to be a part of, we put those away. The new man is different. I, I've, I've been... I haven't been around my, my rig crew very much recently because I haven't worked as much. But recently I've had to be stuck in the room with them and I, I realize how little conversation they really know of the English language because they use this one word all the time and then stick some logical words in between it. You may be, and I'm not going to mention it here, but it just gets to, to the point where I'm thinking, are these people really intelligent? Have they got any sense at all? What is this about the, the explicative that they like to use in their language constantly? It's like every word, every other word. I've got to use it. 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 Woo! You know, and so when the spirit in your own self says, Ooh, I can this stuff. I couldn't get up. I couldn't walk out. So I had to, had to put up with it. But it was really bothering me this last week. And this guy, these guys, especially the one, he's an engineer. I, <laughs> I thought, does engineering school has, has changed. They, they teach them all kinds of new stuff in engineering school. Whoa. Okay, let's go to uh, verse, uh, back to, to Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 14. <clears throat> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Boy, I love this. I love this. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. It means being a son. Because you are a new creation. We're, we're like that, that little baby in the womb. I don't want to be aborted. I want to be in the king. I want to come out. I want to be in the kingdom. I hope you do too. I mean, abortion is destroying a life. And we don't want, we want to be in the kingdom. We want to be that new child in the kingdom as a son of God. He says we're sons now. He says he loves us. He's given his son for us. He loves us so much. He wants us in his kingdom. And so we can cry out. We can cry out, Abba, Father. We can go and we can pray, Father, I love you. Because I know you love me. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. If children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, so that we, if we suffer with Him, we shall also be glorified together. It's interesting how, in verse 17, being heirs of something so precious and so wonderful, 
What does it mean to you to be an heir with Christ? I hope that you really want to be in the kingdom. Because I do. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I hope you also want to be in the kingdom. Right through all of the scriptures, there's some powerful messages in there about what we're going to receive. What we're going to be doing. For one thing, we'll all be walking on a golden streets in a building so huge that it's almost unimaginable for us to imagine how beautiful it is. With 12 gates and all kinds of jewels and angels going in and out of that building. Do you want to miss out on that? I hope you don't. I hope you want to be a part of that. I hope you want to see what God is doing behind the scenes. How he's directing the powerful angels that he has because he's got millions of them. Do you want to see the angel that's been walking around with you and trying to keep you out of trouble for all of your life? That guardian angel that, that probably is, I don't know if I can stand any more of this. This guy's 70 years old and think of all the things he's been through. Oh, I can't, I don't know if I can stand it any longer. Please, Father, help him. <laughs> I want to be in the kingdom. Besides our new home, Christ is going to give us some of the most wonderful and beautiful gifts. And the way it's written, we don't quite understand how profound those gifts are, do we? The way it's written, some of these gifts are very, very spiritual gifts. Profoundly spiritual gifts. I love reading it what I'm reading Revelation, uh, reading Romans, the 8th chapter. I love going back and seeing what we're going to receive, why we're going to receive it. And I think everybody understands that these gifts are for everyone that overcomes. It's not, uh, these are written to the churches, but the point is, it says, to anyone that overcomes, those that overcome, these are the gifts you're going to receive. This is what we're going to have in the kingdom of God. And so in, in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Man was chased out of the garden and was not allowed to touch the tree of life. But in the kingdom of God, we shall be taking of that fruit. And maybe this is a spiritual thing. I don't know. I, and really, I don't understand exactly what it all means. But when it says it in there, I believe it. And I want to be a part of it. I want to take of the tree of life. I want to have that part in the paradise of God. And I hope you do too. He that has an ear, verse 11, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And the reason why that is, is we'll be spirit beings. And when the time comes for that judgment of the rest of the world, we'll already be there. We'll already be helping with the judgment. And we will not be hurt when those few, I hope, few, that are put in the lake of fire. And I hope it's a very few. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 17, this is number 3. And 7 
perfect, wonderful gifts that we will receive. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. So, we will receive something so very special that it will, and so very loving from our, our father and our elder brother that we'll have this perfectly new name that they'll be able to converse with us in a loving way that we'll be able to, to have that relationship between ourselves and our father and our elder brother. Verse number four, He that overcomes and keeps my works to the end to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I receive of my father. And I will give him the morning star. And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so consequently, in the kingdom of God, we'll also have the responsibility of rulership along with all the other gifts that we have. We will, and I think God will give us the abilities and, and the understanding and the wisdom to rule and to rule lovingly and, and, and kindly the way we should. But also, if we need, and it says, if we need it, we'll have a rod of iron. <laughs> if we need to judge with a rod of iron, we'll have that. So, in Number five, he that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. That's purity, brethren. That's pure, clean, righteousness. And I I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. We will be in the presence of Jesus Christ, God the Father, and he will confess us before him. Wow, what a... I think as, as, as physical human beings, we have no idea the, the angels that might be in this room. God that's looking down and listening to the messages. Jesus that, that tunes in maybe occasionally to find out what we're saying. I hope that they, they do and that, that in our own hearts we want to be in the kingdom of God. We want to be there. Verse number 6. He that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. My God, from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. And so we will have a permanent residence. And a beautiful city. (laughs) Unbelievably beautiful city in the kingdom of God. You think that some of these people that have billionaires and they have these huge palatial palaces and they have all this stuff, it's nothing. It's nothing, brethren. Remember in in Hebrews it says, they were waiting for the kingdom of God. And they were willing to live through anything to see the kingdom of God. And that's what we should be. Because All the riches and everything in this society will seem like nothing when we walk on those streets of gold in the kingdom and that beautiful temple and that beautiful um, city that will come down from God. 
And number seven, him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have overcome and am sat down with my father in his throne. And so he says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's go back to Romans. I'm going to get, wrap this up in about two minutes here. Because I wanted to read these very encouraging words beginning in verse Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the, what, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation, and in other words, the anxious longing of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole creation, everything out there is waiting for the day when we're resurrected into the kingdom. And we begin to rule on this earth and then begin to rule in the universe. The whole universe is looking forward to that day. He says, For creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who is subjected to the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We will be liberated into the kingdom of God and we will do so many wonderful things in that kingdom. That's why you want to be a part of it. You want to be there. You will want to live and be there. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan inside of ourselves, waiting, waiting for that day when we shall be it says adoption, or the sonship, or that time in which we receive the new name, and we become a part of that kingdom. That is the redemption of our body. The, spirit, the physical body that we have today will become a glorious spiritual body in the kingdom. For we are saved by hope, but, by, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that that we see not, then do we with Patience, wait for it. And that's what we, through our life, we wait because we understand that the Bible and what it's teaching and the kingdom of God that it's teaching. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us through groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints, according to the will of God. I hope that everyone and all those that may have been listening will search the Bible for the kingdom of God and for the hope that is in the Bible, that is the future. We're all flesh and, flesh and blood. And the Bible says, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Only those that have the Spirit in them, that are quickened, be made glorious in that kingdom as spirit beings that will get a chance to walk on the streets of gold in that city of God.